Well, good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Let's pray together. Actually, Lord, this is kind of a bittersweet day. We remember your with joy that you came into Jerusalem as king. But then uh, things turned against you and you died, uh, only to rise again. But Lord, help us to appreciate you more as we read your word and as your word is proclaimed. Give us, to hear, give us ears to hear what you would have us know and do. Amen. We read the story of Palm Sunday uh, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, well, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And then these famous words from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter, beginning at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A group of uh, four-year-olds were gathered in a Sunday school room, and uh, the teacher to keep their attention and also by, by nature was extremely enthusiastic. And so the teacher looked at the class and asked this question, does anyone know what Sunday this is, what today is? And a little four-year-old girl lifted up her finger and said, I know, I know, I know, it's Palm Sunday. And the teacher said, fantastic, that is wonderful, what a good answer. 
does anyone know what next Sunday is? And that same little girl raised her finger and she said, yes, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Once again, the teacher said, that's fantastic. What a great answer. Does anyone know what makes Sunday Easter? And you know, that same little girl raised her finger and she said, yes, next Sunday is Easter because Jesus rose from the grave. And before the teacher could congratulate her, she said, but if he sees a shadow, he's got to go back in seven weeks. So, next Sunday, when you come to church, make sure you got the, the story squared away a little bit, all right? So, today we mark the beginning of Holy Week. This is a day that we commemorate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. His grand entrance uh, came just before the time of, of uh, Passover, uh, Crowds were gathering in the city. They were coming from all over the, the Roman world. This was a big deal in those days. Still is a big deal in the Jewish world, of course. Um, according to the Jewish Roman historian Josephus, he estimated that in any given Passover season, about a quarter of a million lambs would be sacrificed. And since on average 10 people would share one lamb... We can deduce that the population in Jerusalem at Passover was about two and a half million to three million people. I don't know about that. But anyway, the city was crowded, and the city was abuzz with activity, and uh, uh, you know, merchants were selling their wares. Um, people would meet in the marketplaces, and they would share the latest news. Passover was the highest and holiest of the Jewish holidays, marking the time when God saved the people from, from Egypt, delivered them, delivering them from the hand of Pharaoh, leading them to safety through the Red Sea. And the Passover celebration inspired the people with the hope that God would yet save them again, that now God would finally send a king who would be their deliverer, who would lower the boom on the hated Romans, and restore the nation of Israel to a place of ascendancy in the world. They were looking for a king like David, who would lead the nation of Israel to a position of power and authority, who would restore the people's good fortune. Well, the Gospels tell us that on that Sunday before this particular Passover, a king was indeed on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, that's what the Palm Sunday celebration is all about. Jesus was, was consciously fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And he goes on to say, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea. So by coming into the city the way Jesus did, he was proclaiming to the people of Jerusalem in no uncertain terms, I am your king. I am the Messiah. And many in the crowd hailed him as such. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. 
Jesus was proclaimed to be king, but he was a very different kind of king. No doubt when you uh, hear the word king, all kinds of images come to your mind from uh, movies and from books, from history class, right? You may be thinking of someone sitting on a throne, issuing commands to a thousand servants, or perhaps you might picture a mighty warrior sitting on his magnificent uh, stallion, leading a great army into battle. Or you may imagine a good deal of pomp and circumstance, great luxury and wealth, purple robes and, and golden scepters and sapphire-studded swords. We think of powerful men who care more for themselves and for maintaining their luxurious royal lifestyle than their, than their subjects, the lives of ordinary people. But Jesus was a different kind of king. He turns all of these images upside down. He gives the title king new meaning. His kingship was most unusual. No, one, no wonder everyone was asking, well, who is this? Jesus was unlike every other earthly ruler who has ever lived. One preacher, a fellow by the name of John Brokaw, puts it this way. He says, Jesus is not like the ancient Egyptian Ramses, whose arrogant motto was inscribed on temples still standing, I am the greatest. Nor was Jesus the same kind of king as the savage Chinese tyrant who used millions of slaves to build the Great Wall of China, which is the only man-made object that can be seen from the moon. Nor was he a king like Louis XIV, who lived in excessive luxury in his Versailles palace of a thousand rooms. No, uh, Jesus was a different kind of king. How different? Well, for one thing, he was a king who came in humility and peace. We don't usually associate humility with royalty. Jesus came to town not on a war horse, as we might expect, probably as a lot of the people expected, for he was going to save the people from the Romans, of course. But he came on a humble donkey. Again, in the words of Zechariah, see your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle, gentle, humbly, riding on a donkey. And Jesus' gentleness and his humility was something that he demonstrated throughout his ministry. Indeed, he said he came not to, to be served, but to serve. Boy, how unkinglike is that? Jesus, in fact, proved to be a servant king whose throne, get this, was a cross, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. There is a great deal of irony in the account of his crucifixion. After he was beaten and scourged within an inch of his life, the soldiers staged a mock coronation. They put a purple robe on him, they pressed upon his head a crown of thorns, and they hailed him as king. Ha! And as Jesus was lifted up on the cross, the soldiers put a sign 
over his head that read, the king of the Jews. And the irony is that he was indeed the king of the Jews and the king of the Gentiles, indeed the king of the whole world. His throne was a cross, and at his left hand and right hand, positions normally of great authority in the royal court, were two thieves. He entered into such mockery and pain for us, he died an ugly death on the cross of Calvary to bring us salvation, not salvation of a political kind, which was what everybody was expecting, but something much greater than that. He came to free us from the power of sin and death. He came to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now, how many earthly kings would willingly down, lay down their lives out of love for their subjects? And imagine a cross for a throne. Who is this king? And in dying for us, this king brings us peace, peace with God, for He is the only means by which we are reconciled to God the Father, peace, the possibility of true peace with one another, and one day His peaceful kingdom will extend from sea to sea. The true king will come again in glory. And we look forward to that time when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But there is another thing that's different about Jesus' kingship beyond His humility and His servanthood. But Jesus has no political or geographical kingdom to call His own. His rule transcends all boundaries, for His kingdom is to be found in the human heart. Whenever, wherever God turns human hearts away from such idols as money and sex and power and fame or any combination thereof, and points people to the true king, the only true king, there his kingdom is found. On that Palm Sunday long ago, he came as a king, riding into town to make a loving appeal. Jesus was saying to those who had gathered, I am the king, but am I your king? By parading into the city the way he did, he gave men and women a chance to accept him or to reject him. His triumphal entry was a demonstration of a loving appeal to the people he loved so much, an appeal for a throne in human hearts. And yet, even as he rode into Jerusalem, he knew that many would turn that appeal down. He knew that many who were rejoicing that day would, uh, and hailed him as king, would shout, crucify him a few days later. These are people who were caught up in the excitement of the, of the moment, but there was no spiritual reality behind their words of praise. Their praise was hollow. Their hearts were just not in it. There were others in the crowd for whom Jesus was not a king at all, but an intruder, a troublemaker, and they scowled as Jesus came riding into town. They perceived Jesus to be a troublemaker. 
to be a threat to their self-centered, self-righteous lifestyles. And indeed, he was. Jesus turned over apple carts. He still does. Look what he did in the temple to the money changers a day after the parade. But Jesus' invitation of love came to them too, but the appeal fell on deaf ears and hardened hearts. And then there were all the people who were indifferent, who didn't bother to come to watch the parade at all. They were more concerned about the price of wheat and the Roman occupation. These were the things that filled their conversations. They were too busy with other pursuits. The gospel writer comments on this with sad words. They knew not the time of God's visitation. They missed out on the opportunity of their lives. God was visiting them in the person of Jesus but they didn't care. They let the moment pass. The opportunity came, and it was gone forever. Some of you may know that I'm a baseball fan. Bolin is too. So baseball's on my mind. And the Mariners are going to have a great season, no doubt. Well, one of baseball's greatest, most popular players was Lou Gehrig of the New York Yankees. And one day he was up at the plate, and he was called out on strikes. His bat was still on his shoulder when the umpire shouted, You're out! And Gehrig threw down his bat and muttered in disgust to the umpire as he walked away. And I guess that was totally out of character for Gehrig. So after the game, a reporter asked Gehrig why he complained to the umpire. And Gehrig replied, I wasn't complaining to the umpire. I simply said to him that I would give a thousand bucks for a chance at that last ball again. And we can relate, can't we? You know, how sad to have lost the golden opportunity when it was there only to let it slip away. Jesus the King is writing by your life and mine this very moment. And do we dare let this moment pass without responding to His loving appeal? He's giving us really one more chance to say, yes, I'm with you. I accept your offer. Or, no, deal me out. We must respond one way or the other, and not to decide is to decide, right? So the all-important question to ask ourselves is this. Will Jesus Christ be king of my life? In other words, will we allow him to reign over our hopes and our ambitions, our dreams? Will I give him the ultimate control over my family life and my personal life, my business life, my political life, my social life? Will I recognize the authority of Jesus' words and will I put them into practice? Will I grant Jesus' kingdom authority over my thoughts and attitudes and actions? Um, some of you... Uh, may remember the old movie, The Robe 
You know, remember that old movie? Gotta get that out again and watch it. Uh, it's about a slave named Demetrius. Victor Mature, I think, was was played the role of Demetrius. But it, but the movie was based on the classic book called The Robe, by Lloyd C. Douglas. And again, it's about a slave named Demetrius, who is in the crowd on that first Palm Sunday. And he pushes his way through the multitudes to see who was at the center of attention, and he gets close enough to look squarely at the eyes of Jesus. Well, later, another slave asks him, did you see him up close? And Demetrius nods, yes. And the other slave asks, well, is he crazy? No, said Demetrius, he's not crazy. Then is he a king? And Demetrius says, no, not a king. Well, what is he then? And Demetrius replies, he's something more than a king. And that's true, isn't it? He's not just a king, a king, but he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he takes hold of our lives, there is no way we can think the same about ourselves or how we are to live or the things that are in this world. Everything is different. Everything has changed. Because if he is king, and if in truth he rules the world, then there is hope for this world after all. Thanks be to God, it's not up to us to save the world. It's not up to smart people who are really good at technology. It's not up to the people at Facebook I mean, do we need Jesus or what? Who's ruling the world? If it's not Jesus, then... Use an old phrase, we're going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> if we make Him king of our lives, there's hope for us, and everything changes for the better. Jesus is a king like no other. He's a king who only has our eternal welfare at heart. He's a king who promises to bless us with every blessing under heaven. He is a king who knows what he's doing with our lives. This is a king who's not only all-powerful, but he's all-wise and he's all-loving. He's worthy of our ultimate trust and our total allegiance. If he is truly king of our lives, we cannot ultimately go wrong. The question is this, can we humble ourselves and submit to His gracious rule over our lives? Who is sitting on the throne of our heart? Is it Christ the King, or is it our own ego, which you may know can stand for E-G-O, edging God out? Crown Him your king this day and every day. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Open your hearts and let the king of glory in. Amen.